Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here we go. Welcome to Shoot the Defense. I'm your host, though. I've got four guests. I'm going to go with Steve Ayer, got Rodri Giggs, got the returning Simon Cox and Katie McDougall. Welcome, boys and girl. Girl, see, did that. I still. How are you feeling, Steve, after your team's fantastic yeah. weekend? Yeah, like that you... like that Ready Brett glow that the kids advert used to have a long time ago. I feel good. Um, springing my stride this morning. Uh, never get bored of beating United. Never get sick of winning at Old Trafford, watching it and... Uh, the team have just managed to do something different again under the under the manager. Um, whereas, you know, all the good stuff we've seen in recent years, including beating United, I don't think there's been ever a fixture so dominant to one side, the away team. So, um, ridiculous stats, unbelievable football, and obviously the right result and clean sheet. I was listening to uh, Nader Manua on ESPN earlier today, and he was saying that before the... Uh, Shinawatra came in. I think City hadn't won at Old Trafford for like 28 years. Mm. Now, City being dominant at Old Trafford the way that they were at the weekend, your phone, you must have been texting everyone, every United fan, no? Uh, stay Don't classy. lie. Don't lie to me. Don't lie no, to me. Stay, <laughs> stay classy. Uh, I mean, if you saw Phil Foden's interview at the end, it was just like he'd had a walk around the park and United, it's a tough place to come, but Keane dismantled that interview by saying... It's just disingenuous, really, albeit a great lad. Um, it was an easy fixture. It was easy for Liverpool. It was fairly easy for Aston Villa and Everton to to have a go at it. And obviously for City, the, the thing that, I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder in anything you're going to say in the show, but I actually think it dismantled United completely because if they'd have won 5-0 City like they did, United fans would have gone away. Well, we've already felt that type of pain when Liverpool did that to us. But we won the game in a different way. We won it 2-0, but it was the control of the game from start to finish and how easy it was to 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 win and to to play football and to think that every single player touched the ball before the second goal went in. It's just embarrassing for the physical contact of Manchester United. Rod is sitting there thinking, fuck's sake. <laughs> well, he, he's my mate and he knows his football. No, you know so what he's... I was thinking? Even when we used to bat him back in the day, you'd still have people like Jeff. Well, you'd still people putting their foot in and getting stuck in. It was none of that on, on Saturday. Yeah, we'll, we'll go into that in just a bit. Simon, how are you doing, mate? You right? I'm good, mate. I'm good, thank you. How's Sunny Essex? Uh, it was all right today. Yeah? It was all right today, yeah. It was, uh, it was quite nice. Not, it's, it's quite it's always sunny down south it's never really it's never that aside up north I know that and is it don't you kind of follow Liverpool kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. Oh, see and things I wanted to do a show like after Liverpool beat Man United but I was in Cyprus so I, I cancelled that show I'm sorry yeah, yeah. Next time, next time Liverpool win, come on now. Liverpool get beat. Hey, listen, I, come on. I'm not Mystic Meg here. I didn't know they were going to lose. <laughs> nah, listen, hey. were, I, think, I think the thing is, one thing that I, I would say is that momentum massive in football. It doesn't matter who you are, what team you support, anything else like that. When you're, and West Ham are absolute 
you know, desire for that right now. Mm-hmm. They, they do, they just have full momentum right now. Um, you know, everything that they do seems to turn to gold and, and, you know, good luck to them. But I just, listen, I don't see them anywhere near the top three by the end of the season. So um, let them have their glory for right now. Uh, just get off Twitter after this one. You're going to get a lot of West Ham fans coming after you. We know where you live. <laughs> I do. Some do. Ah, yeah. oh, Jesus. Katie, welcome to Shahidim. Yeah, what's your, what is your question? What do you want? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> what do I want? I want you to talk football. <laughs> okay, we won't, we won't talk about which team you support just yet. I think we'll go into that when we talk about that team. But let's start with the the um, Manchester derby. Um, blimey, I think Steve summed it all up. So let me let me ask you this question, Rod. Um, was this beating worse than when City beat United 6-1? Yes, yes. It touched the ball for about 30 minutes, the last 30 minutes. It was an embarrassment. It was embarrassing. You watch it like that. It was just, yeah. Like, it's from the first like, whistle. Like, no, it, no. Second half was they just got better, and they, I'm pretty sure if they would have, it was like back in the day when United had levels. City, if they, United would score, they just you know what, I'm just going to pummel these, and they could have easily done that. But yeah, it was, it was, it was poor. It was, you know, and it's not necessarily down to the manager that that's players, you know. It's just a lack of courage sitting off and then you've got the old crap with all the teams doing the social... Stay off fucking Twitter. Shut up and just win a game and work hard. Shut up. Shut up. It just irritates me to death. And it's not just like a small... Eric Bailly put his own goal on Twitter. No way. Put his own goal well, on Twitter. Was it, was it him or was it his social media team? Oh, come on. Come on. Oh, they've no. all got them though all yeah, of them but come on you don't put your own goal on Twitter saying oh I'm sorry you know, oh, come on come on did you see David I just say if you put your own goal on Twitter when you were playing you went into changing you'd get hammered yeah. you'd get hammered Roger did you see David De Gea's oh, I am did he come up with a poem did he he's speak to Ander Herrera one matter is it is and on the tunnel. Yeah. I am hurt. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> it's just... Oh, yeah, just enough of the words, just actions. Actions now, just no words. Stay off Twitter. Great, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, before we go into that, because we've got a lot to say about social media, in terms of the game itself, City were dominant from the first to the last whistle. I think they made over 800 passes, which is absolutely ridiculous. To be honest, that's like City anyway, because they, they pass teams off the off the park, so to speak. But as soon as the first one went in, I thought, shit, this is going to be like Liverpool again, isn't it? Because City was so comfortable. And you guys who know tactics better than I do, I saw United playing with a 5-3-2 or 3-4-2, one, having what the fuck you want to call it. But it just looked like every time the ball went out wide to, to City's wide men, whether it be the fullback or the, the, the wide players, the three midfielders at United were either too slow or too thick to track any runners. Was I just seeing things? Steve? Simon? Rod? Katie? <laughs> someone? Or oh, they didn't want to do it. Ah, right. Okay. okay. You've, got, you've got somebody like Bruno Fernandes, who's a number 10, and you're asking him to potentially 
track a fullback or or get out for the say let's say for the first goal. Fernandez is no good anymore. <laughs> Fernandez for since like week four of the Premier League, Fernandez has done sort of nothing. Since Ronaldo's turned out, he's a bit starstruck, isn't he? Yeah, and also Ronaldo's not done much the last couple of weeks. I'm... They're big names, but they've done Champions sort of, League. Champions Fernand- League. I well. traded Fernandez at my Premier team like weeks ago, and I've been better for it. He's not done anything since about week five of the Premier League. He's sort of fine and average, but he's not done anything brilliant for weeks. But is that because of the role that he's playing? Because as, as Simon said, being played as a central midfielder against Man City, he's, he's effectively a number 10, he's an attacking midfielder. You don't expect him to do any... Well, you wouldn't expect him to chase a fullback anyway, but that's what he was doing. He's, he was kind of on the right side of a midfield yeah, he free. he could do brilliant things, and it's not necessarily his fault that he's not allowed to, but he is pointless now. Fernandez is pointless in the league at the minute. Okay. I think there are Fernandez, Ronaldo, there are big names that are waste of everybody's time now. <laughs> it's little people, sort of Antonio will make my Livermento is doing brilliant things. I think the big names now are really wasting everybody's time. Well, from an FPL perspective, right? Mm, I don't yeah, know how much maybe you're... from a fantasy perspective, go. yeah. There you go. So, uh, Simon, uh, you're talking about the defensive side of United. I mean, it's almost as if they're chasing shadows, mate. Yeah, like I said, the first goal, if you look at the first goal, and Fernandez is obviously looking at Wambasaka to get out and stop the cross. But predominantly, you'd, you'd look at uh, Fernandez and he needs to help anyway. But because he's a 10, he's a forward-thinking player, he's not going to do that. So, it's... It's a it's a fine balance between needing to, needing someone to do it and wanting someone to do it, and he very very good going forwards, very lackluster going backwards. Um, so, you know, I think United at the minute are in a real bad place, a real bad place, and you know, coming up against a team like City, who, as you said, make made over 800 passes, who look really, really well coached, who look like they know exactly what they're doing um, from minute one. And but I'd, I'd ask this question though, to Steve, that with, with um, the way that Liverpool put United to the sword and won five, why, why didn't City do it? Why didn't they go out and make that statement and say, you know, we, we can pass you off the pitch, 800 passes, no problem. But why did they not go and get five goals? Well, I think, you know, being com- showing it complete courtesy, Simon, uh, that David De Gea has made four saves before City have scored. Yeah. And they were they were absolutely, like, out of the top draw. Um, I think we've hit both sides of the post. Jesus has broke down the right-hand side and not squared for Foden twice. Um so I think that on another day would have been a cricket score. I think it would have been more than Liverpool. So um, as much as I give David De Gea a bit of tap for his social media activity, he was amazing uh, up to the point of uh, the second goal, yeah. um, where you possibly would think he could have been done better not expecting it at the far post. But what I would also say as well, it'll always come down to that, as you know yourself, um, these false number nines that are at the moment De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva, who are actually two of the best midfield players in the world doing the job. So at times they can help you win the game, uh, play ever so well, 
but nobody who actually is, you know, incisive in, in, in getting a last touch of a ball because they're not close enough to the goal. Someone like yourself in the box who would know all about that. But obviously, a proper centre-forward like the one we've lost, Aguero, and the one we nearly got in Kane. So I think that's... Every time City don't get a cricket score, Simon, I think it'll always come back to the fact that we've not played a centre-forward. But they did have enough chances to get 10. But the thing is, don't yeah. you think United struggled to cope with Gundogan? Because Gundogan was absolutely fantastic. He's brilliant. He's the amount. Of, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, it's a gift. And again, I refer to Simon with a good career. But you know, it's all right having the heart, the legs, and the lungs to run in the box. But you know, Frank Lampard did it. But Gundogan just runs in the box free of charge all match. Nobody ever seems to pick him up. He's he's ghost like, and that's why he got so many goals last year. Um, and he's such a world class footballer himself. But the amount of times he's free in the box is an absolute gift. I don't know how you coach it. But that, that, that comes from allowing, like, he knows that he's got Rodri behind him. Yeah. There's, that he's got a good base where he's able to go in there knowing that. But what, what City do really well is what United don't do, is that when they lose the ball, they get around that ball as quick as possible. They yeah. win the ball back as high up the pitch as possible. So they're in a good position to go attack again or regain possession and yeah. dominate. Well, Simon, I thought I'd be a little bit different because it was obvious that City played well. But my big um, post, if you like, was to suggest that I don't think I've ever seen a football team take the ball off their position as frequently and as quick and as fast as City took it off United at weekend. It was scary. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, And the thing is, Pep didn't even need to make any substitutions. It was so comfortable. It was almost like a training match. But Rod, what I want to ask you is, is this system that Solskjaer has implemented, the 5-3-2, we saw it work at White Hart Lane, got United out of jail, well, you don't say got him out of jail against Atalanta because they switched to back four when, when Varane went off injured. But he chose to go again against City. Now, how, how can you keep playing a system where you know you've only played a couple times against a team like Man City who you know are going to have most of the possession? What was the game plan here from a defensive aspect? Because I didn't see much going right. Uh, yeah, for me, you can't you can't play five against them. You don't play with centre forward. So basically, you've got three people not mark anyone, and then you've got two centre two centre midfielders that are not great on the ball and off the ball. So mm, good you, point. It, it it's because it works so well with Tottenham. They've just gone. You know what? We'll go with it again. Mm. But Tottenham are a totally different side than Manchester City. So they surely they've not had that thought process of thinking, you know what, it's worked Tottenham, let's go with it again. Because it's like chalk and cheese, City and not Tottenham and Tottenham and not City. It's still, it's just, uh, yeah, and you've got Fernandez, you know, working out, trying to do them, everything and, and he's just not coming off him and he ended up having a bad game. So it's, 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 the formation, it comes it does come from the top because you can't play that system, not against them, the way that the fullbacks are so wide and how our fullbacks are so narrow, even though there's, they, should, they should be out there as wide as they can. So it's, it's just, and then when the City win the ball, they just keep it and then United just couldn't get it back. It was literally, and it was have been soul-destroying for that team walking off, soul-destroying. The thing is, when you hear United had more shots on their own goal than they did at City's... <laughs> I, it's I, just I, embarrassing. I just like, wow. I mean, that that's... 
and the thing is, is this was coming, wasn't it? I mean, Liverpool should have been the rocket up the arse that they needed, the 5-0 loss, right? And while that's, while that's not acceptable, you can say, all right, they were, they were handed a, a pounding against Liverpool, but all right, you learn from your lessons, you switch things up, and all right, damage limitation. But they couldn't even do that. And before the game, I was thinking, maybe they should go 4-5-1, like what Fergie used to do at, at the Etihad. Go five across the midfield, right? Have you know have more solidity in the middle of the park because De Bruyne and Silva were dropping deep, collecting the ball, doing whatever they want. Gundogan the same. And you mentioned earlier about how you can't play three at the back against City. Well, last season Steve pointed this out. In fact, against Wolves, City lost. Who played three at the back against Newcastle? They lost playing three at the back against Chelsea. They lost. Who played three at the back? But that's yeah, they, they, they've, the worked, they've worked on it and played mm. it for months. United have only just started it. And because they played against Tottenham, a weak, poor Tottenham side, by the way, who was struggling, who couldn't get shot off themselves, that's who would be. If we played, say, a West Ham or an Arsenal, it, we would have torn apart. It's just lucky enough for us that we played a Tottenham side that were pouring us in the day. All right, so... <clears throat> What what happens now, United? Because today we saw a, a report from Sky Sports saying that you know the, the, the Glazers are going to back Solskjaer, they're not going to sack him. Yada yada yada. Today, Rio Ferdinand has has put out a, a message on his uh, on his podcast saying maybe it's time to pass the baton. Maybe he's not saying that to get rid of his mate, but maybe just to play it on the safe side, Rio. You know, because we know how Rio is reliable with his comments. But let's not go into that, shall we? Um, so. Boys and girl, is is it time for? Okay, I think it's time for Solskjaer to go, but I don't think he will go. If he doesn't go, how worse is it going to get? It's uh, going to be something. It's the same. It's an Americanized version of something that's basically as bad as what you've got now. Or you, what you mean, like a what? Back to Future 2 or 3? You're going to get a manager that's roughly as bad as you've got now. Right, okay. So, but is that ex- right, maybe so- vaguely more American, but you'll get basically the same as you've got now. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. They're not going to bring in someone who's managed in Norway and Cardiff City. So that's not going to happen. They're going to be a quality coaching and quality managing. But they've done that before. They've done it with Mourinho. They've done it with Van Gaal. So it doesn't necessarily work. So... What, no. what do you want? What would you like? I know you said like quality manager, but who who would you like? It's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. But personally, I would want Ben and Rogers, someone who's a really good coach who can who can make players better. So will he come in with his Liverpool connection? So, but I, I don't. I really don't know. So I really don't know. The thing but, is, you, you say that, Rod, but I think okay. We we talk about the problems starting from the top with the Glazers, and I know I'm going to get caned for this, but with Ferguson around. With Darren Fletcher as the technical director, you know, but you've got you've got people like Rio though, and you've got people like Gary Neville with his soapbox t- saying, "Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, they can't do this now." He's basically t- he's basically their soapbox on TV. Mm. So he's basically saying, "Oh, you can't stop Solskjaer. You can do this. You can't do that." And then you've got Rio jumping shit, or which you sitting on the fence, or you not sitting on the fence, Rio. Which one? Maybe or maybe not. Which one's have a yes, or you want to, or you don't want to go. No maybes. It's either yes or no. So you know what? No, I wouldn't want it in my ship anyway. So it's just, uh, you know, I want him as the manager because I want him to succeed. Will it happen? I don't think so. But 
you know, I don't want to my man, I want to be my manager and want to succeed. But like I say, will it happen? I don't know. But I don't want him to get sacked. That's the last thing I want. But if it did happen, then you can't argue with it. Simon, I don't know if you remember when Liverpool in the early 90s weren't winning league titles. You know, they had Roy Evans, they had Graham Souness. I seem to remember the likes of Alan Hansen and Mark Lawrenson on the television. There were a lot of Liverpool pundits, even like you want to talk about Ian St. John. They weren't afraid to say, tell it like it was. Okay, then they didn't say it with as much ferocity as pundits do these days because they're very outspoken these days. But even then, they, they'd, they'd tell it like it is. You know, if, if Roy Evans wasn't doing a job, they'd say it. So why are these players protecting their mate? Is it because it's just their mate or they don't want to ruin the, I don't know, the awe of Man United? They don't want people to think, oh, Man United are a cycling club now because they are. No, it's their mate. That's it. It's just the be all and end all of it. It's their mate. It's, they've been in the dressing room with that person for, you know, five, six, seven, ten years, whatever it is. They've won trophies together. They've, you know, done so many things together. The last thing they want to be seeing is saying... He needs to go. He needs to be sacked, and 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 that's it. If they were being true and being honest with themselves and um and with you know Manchester United fans, they would they want somebody else in. They just don't want to come out and say it, you know. And that and that is the be all and end all of it. I think you've got with the ex players. The most damning one was Michael Owens' one because so very, he was. I've never seen him like that. Yeah, he was spot on though. He, he yeah. was spot on. And Agreed. you can see Paul Scholes next to him squirming. But he was spot yeah. on. I agree. Spot on. Did, did they play together? Yeah. For like a year or so, or a couple of years or so. So, I mean, they're not, well, they, they wouldn't be like big mates, though, would they? I don't, think Oli, I don't think Oli played with him. Did Oli play with Michael Owen? No, Michael Owen and Skulls played. And Mike Skulls did Michael Owen. Yeah, Michael, Michael. yeah, yeah, but Michael Owen and and uh, and Ollie didn't play together. No, no. no. So that, that so it's easy for him then. One ex Liverpool side, one ex Manchester United side. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit easier for Michael Owen to come out. Oh, and say, Michael Owen. Michael Owen just guested for for Manchester United. He scored yeah. in the in, in the epic Manchester derby yeah. in the last minute, and, and that's what he'll be remembered for. But not yeah. be remembered for too much else. He just guested. He's a yeah. Liverpool. He's a Liverpool icon. He'll be more than happy sticking it up United or telling the truth. Yeah, well, that's that's it. So that's all that Michael Owen's done there. If if Michael Owen had been at United for the last for for five, six, seven years with Oli, yeah, he would have said that. Yeah, uh, I'd probably guarantee that he wouldn't have said that because none of his former teammates have said it. So why? You know, Keno was on the verge of it, you know, saying, "Why are you playing Fred?" You know, that's that's not good when you're saying, "Why do you keep on playing this player?" You know, he and he said he phoned him. Didn't he say? Didn't he say he was speaking to him and during the week? I think he said like live on Sky. He was like, "Oh, I spoke with Ollie and he said he felt like players let him down in the Liverpool game." Well, surely. In that phone call, listen, no one's privy to that phone call apart from those two, but surely in that phone call, he's probably turned around to him and gone, listen, you know, they need to, you need to get rid of him or he doesn't need to play. And, you know, surely he would have said that, you know, he's Definitely. the most outspoken person in the world. Like, let's, yeah. let's get it right. Yeah, but then then it comes to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's conviction or lack of it. Um, to the whole support base uh, suggesting that Fred shouldn't be playing, Maguire is a bluffer, Shaw is a bluffer, um, Keane is saying it on national TV, you're damn right he'll have said it on the phone call, but um, at the end of the day, they all got picked at the weekend in a Manchester derby. So Yeah, Stairs, but if you watch the game, Fred's not holding midfielder. 
he's playing more forward. So why, why I don't understand. He doesn't give you a, a, a pass. He doesn't give you a, get you a goal. Yeah. I don't understand why he keeps on yeah. playing him. I, I mean, don't I don't. I, I, can't, I, I can't judge this band of But if, if what you're saying is right, Rod, well, I'm sure it is. If he is playing further forward and not a holding midfield player, then you may as well play Van der Beek or Lingard. Don't make no sense to me. I don't know, but I, I don't know if you guys saw that um, that tweet earlier about the the sports pro influencers, and they interviewed someone from. Man United in their social media team and they're talking about fan sentiment. They have these boards and these this bit of information and they tell the players what the fans are saying about them. I mean, for Christ's sake, if, if you want to destroy a player's confidence, just, just show everything that they write on Twitter about them. Fuck it. Bad enough that they're on Twitter themselves. Jesus, what is going on? They probably only look at the pictures, don't they? Which... <laughs> well, the... the, the why would you, after a game like that, the last thing you'd be going on is Twitter? The last thing, because you, you know, there's some there's some characters on there, there's some savory shit they've got to say. So, and most of it's not nice, but you know, it is amusing. But are these the type of characters a bit to look at it? And I don't think they are. So, this just, is just it. Just to remind all as well about Harry Maguire last year against Sheffield United, where he was brought through, brought up. They got beat at Old Trafford by Sheffield United and by 11 o'clock at night, presumably he was home, he put on his passing stats and that he had a 95% pass completion and it was, a, it was a good night for his passing. And they've just been beat by Sheffield United at Old Trafford. The whole no, thing... I've seen, it, I've seen an interview recently. He says, oh, we don't worry about stats. Don't look, we don't yeah, look at stats. Exactly. I saw it too. He doesn't know. He, he doesn't know what he what he's what he's what he's talking about. He doesn't. He's obviously not got a good memory, and that's the same with Ferdinand. So obviously, someone else has put that up and not him. Possibly. Well, that's that is the thing. It's that they'll have social media companies that look after their social media, so they won't remember, or they wouldn't have. They don't have the emotion of the of the tweet. So yeah. as a player. I've been in dressing rooms with people who have had those things and they've put things out after the games and you just yeah. think, oh, what are you doing? Like, that's not, that's no. not uh, you need to sort of take that one down. And they, they'll turn around and go, it's not even me. And you no. think, you kind of need to have that ownership of your own Twitter, even if you're not the one posting. Yeah. Your social media company don't even know why you have one, but yeah. your social media company needs to at least send it to you and say, do you think this is a good tweet and do you think it's the right time to tweet this or yeah. put whatever it is out there and you get the final say? They're obviously, Harry Maguire, if he has got a social media company, they've just gone tick, tick, yeah. tick and said, thanks very much. We'll stick that out and uh, and... We'll, we'll deal with the, the, the fallout. Like someone in admin who's, who's dealing with the, the stuff, but they don't know the results. But, oh, that's a good stat. 98% yeah. Yeah. put that up. Oh, like, so, I think oh, Phil, no, Foden had the, Phil Foden had the same problem. I think he was a bit loose with it and allowing people to do it. I think there was a disrespect of, of, of was it Neymar? Um, or somebody, there was a little Mbappe. bit of disrespect. Mbappe, wasn't it? Yeah. And there was also, uh, rest in peace, Colin Bell, Nijinsky. You know, always a hero of mine growing up. Like Colin yeah. was like, Colin's in his 70s and Phil Foden's 21. <laughs> <laughs> but who was who was the boy, who was the player? 
uh, a couple of seasons back, a good few seasons back, who put someone had sent him the tweet and he just copy and pasted the tweet and put it out there. But it had, what do you think of this? And then, the yeah, out. I remember that. I, I can't remember who it was. I remember that. I remember. So, it like, is. It, it's, uh, it's what they do. Like, that is just what happens. Like, it's mm. just mental. But I, you have to, if you're going to put, listen, you get smashed in the derby, whether it's five or whether it's two, and you get absolutely battered on, on the pitch. Yeah. Rain your Twitter back in. Give yeah. you a breather from it and and just either delete it for, the, for uh, you know, four or five days or whatever, and then get to the next one and build up the, the atmosphere for the next game, fine. But after a, a big game, if, even if you've played terribly, relax yourself off Twitter. That is not... That's You're not just going to get abused. Well, why, would, why would you put yourself through it? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Not, not even just yourself. Like It's not even you, it's your family, everything else. Like Because they're the ones that read it. They all, they all read it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, like, are you then not going to get nailed for not being consistent and only putting something on when you win? Possibly, but ultimately, what's the, like, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to read? Uh, like, I'm, I'm the kind of person, or I was the kind of person when playing... Don't get too high when you're high and don't get too low when you're low. And if you if you've had a great game, don't be like, oh, I'm yeah. the best player in the world. And when you when you've had a bad game, don't be like, oh, sorry to the traveling supporters. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you can't you can't be like that. You have to be like, well done to oh. the well done to the lads today, great performance. On to the next one. If we were rubbish for the day, look, you know, we got another game. Good thing about football is we've got another game coming up. Yeah. You know, we'll try and put it right this yeah, week. Find a positive, so yeah. You just got to try and like at least spin it in a way that sort of makes you and the team look okay. But yeah. after getting smashed up, you know, two out of the last three weeks um, by two top sides, it's it's probably Twitter's not your best friend at the minute. Yeah, fair. It's, it's the worst thing you could possibly have. And I saw Gary Neville saying, mentioning Marcus Rashford, how well he's done. I'm sitting thinking, Marcus Rashford doesn't even control his own Twitter for crying out loud. He's got a team that does it for him. You think Marcus... Yeah, look how many tweets Marcus Rashford puts out a day or a week. Do you think he's actually got... Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm reckoning it's his brothers, though. So his brothers will probably have liaison, you know, is this okay? So they'll probably have that communication because it's his brothers that are doing it. I guess. I guess. But at the same time, you know, it's not him controlling no, it all I, yeah, the I time. Understand. Yeah, you know, I so know. I don't know. I, don't, I, just, I just think that, obviously, look... These agencies make money out of it. Obviously, they are providing a service. And for the amount of engagements or views or replies, it enables them to add um, promoted tweets. And it makes money for them, basically. It's like clickbait. When you I was know, watching see- that video, when you sent it before, it just reminded me of, like, is there an election coming on? It reminded me of politics. And it's just like, what? It's just, it's just yeah. mad. I don't know. I don't know. Well, look, speaking of mad, let's move on. Um, Liverpool lost to West Ham 3-2 and Jurgen Klopp lost his shit at a BBC report. Did you guys see this? No? I saw, I saw, no. The, uh, I saw the reaction to it. Yeah, I didn't see the, the interview or the question. No, it, it, <laughs> the, the, the BBC report was asking about, you know, obviously the first goal, which uh, came from the corner, a foul on Allison. maybe maybe it wasn't. And Jurgen Klopp was saying, any other country, it's a foul. And they were talking about an incident with, with Henderson and maybe it should have been a red card. And and the, the report asked the question related to that particular incident. And Klopp looked at me, he goes, 
am I your puppy? <laughs> it's actually like saying, are you fucking playing with me now? Are you fucking serious? But um, Simon, the 3-2 victory, 3-2 uh, loss for Liverpool um, against a very good West Ham team. Okay, Alisson was probably at fault for two of the three goals. The third one, I don't know what Trent was doing. It goes back to the whole zonal marking thing. I'm not a fan of zonal marking, but Trent was the nearest player to, uh, was it Zuma scored the winner? Yeah. Well, turned out to he was behind him though. He's like four yards behind him. What are you doing? I thought it was Mane. Was it Trent? Mane was, Mane was marking him and where he's coming to the space to head it, Trent Alexander is behind him. So Trent yeah. Alexander really couldn't have done anything. Yeah, but I think, I think as part of the zonal still, you have obviously people in zonal position, but you also have disruptors, um, we used to call them, and blockers. And the distance between Mane and Zuma was about five yards. There's, you know, you get a run at six foot five against a five foot 11 player. And, you, you, you know, you've almost got to get into a clinch with these guys. You see it. It's like a grapple. And Mane is five yards off Zuma. How is he allowed to run towards the goal without being blocked? He shouldn't have even got in Trent and Alexander-Arnold's area. I, I, I had it at Mane for, for not being close enough to Zuma. But you mentioned the, uh, the athleticism in terms of the jump. What about the physicality? Because Mane doesn't look like a wrestle out of a paper bag. Well, no, but like, like you know, Sterling Bernardo Silva, you know, they come back and get hold of, of, of the other team's big players because the ball is, 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 is going to go in and City defend where they think the ball is going to go. So Diaz and Stones, they're marking zonal across the six-yard box and the small players go and lock on to the big players of the other team and basically stop them running. They're not... Bernardo Silva and, and Sterling aren't there to head the ball against the likes of Zuma. They're, they're there to, to grapple with them and stop them running towards the box. And that's what Mane didn't do. So is that Sterling work by the set-piece coach, Des? Oh, come well, on. <laughs> well, City's in Sterling work. Well, when he gets on the pitch, yeah. But I was just using them as an example, of course. But you, you watch Bernardo Silva comes back and, what, and marks the biggest player on the other team. Not to edit, just to stop him running. And I believe that was Mane's job and he didn't do it. Just maybe watch it again after the show. Yeah. I think they got they got a uh, they got a warning just before, didn't they? When they hit the bar as well. Yeah. Dawson and um Rice, yeah, Declan Rice, yeah. They, they got sort of in each other's way and they end up hitting the bar and then all of a sudden similar thing happens and they, they end up scoring. So Gents, I really like the fact that West Ham are scoring from set plays every game almost, it seems. Yet there's not one, men, not one single mention of a set play coach. It's been talked about by David Moyes and possibly Kevin Nolan. That's how it should be. Well, Stuart Pearce was big into that, wasn't he? Well, Stuart Pearce is at the club, so is Alan Irvine. Mm. So there's a bit, there's a bit of uh, experience there. But, you know, you get the feeling on the shop floor, it's the manager first and foremost, because he's been, you know, Tim Cale at Everton used, used to score set plays and the Everton guys. But West Ham are scoring a hell of a lot of set plays, but you don't hear about these guys from university who come out with laptops and, and, and files and, and the Aston Villa one who were celebrating the fact that someone can throw it in the box long and two centre-arts go up and have a fight for it. These are proper corners going in, proper size attacking the ball by a manager who's just had a 1,000 games. That's how it should be. Yeah, they've got basically they've got great delivery. Four now has put a great delivery in. And then you've got Zuma, Rice... Um, Dawson, Dawson, yeah, Dawson. the centre midfield is a big unit as well. Just like Antonio sniffing about, all people willing to stick their head in, yes, and get hurt. Yes, and it's not, it's not clever. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's sticking in the box and go and head it. And, yeah. that, and that goes, and that goes for the other way as well. You know, defensively, 
get back, stick your head on it, get it out of your box, no problem. Yeah, it was a good delivery as well, back put, yeah. back stick. What Keep, about the first goal, still, like... What about the first goal then? Because I'm not going to lie to you, I, I thought I was going to be given as a free kick, in all fairness, because goalkeepers are very protected. And Simon, as a striker, I'm sure you'd be very frustrated if that was given against you. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that your goalkeeper can use his hands. And no matter how big you are or small you are or how high you can jump, you can't jump higher than somebody that can use his arms. So I, I think Alisson, if, he's, if he feels like he's going to be under pressure, bear in mind, he comes from behind. So it's not like he's, like he's reaching over or anything else like that. Like he's, he's, he sees everything. So why on earth does he not, if he feels like he's going to be under pressure, just punch it. You know, like if you try and catch it and you get caught, so, you know, listen, I think it would have been, I feel like Liverpool would have got away with one if it had been a foul. You expect that from continental goalkeepers as well, isn't it? That's what they tend to do. They don't like to catch. It's mostly just punching it, so. Yeah, yeah. But I think he's very confident in he. I think, listen, he's probably had a bad, like it's a bad day at the office for Alisson. Like you said about the third goal as well, it goes sort of under him and everything else. And I just think he had a bit of a bad day. So we'll, we'll, Allow him one day out of the of uh, thirty six games. I never have any sympathy for the goalies. Never <laughs> have any sympathy for him. None. I, None. I don't like him as a striker. I don't like him either. But I just think he's he just had a bad day at the office for that one. Well, the, the, these days to get well protected and going back 10, 20 and thirty years, there was an old saying that you know when they used to catch the ball and bring that knee up and catch you in the ribs with it. Oh, yeah. They get away with just something just short of GBH. Yeah. So if it ends up going in there now, I have got absolutely no sympathy whatsoever. None. Just the awkward silence here. <laughs> what about you? Any, any, any chance you get to smash the keeper, you did it. Yeah. Because they would do the it to you, no problem. In the old days, it was more the so. They didn't have a, well, they didn't have a sub-goalie. If you could smash Ian Wright when he used to go in on Schmeichel, they didn't have sub-goalies. So you do the keeper if you can. Obviously, within the laws of the game, ideally, but yeah, you never take a never waste a chance to do the keeper in the old days because they never used to have a sub goalie. But I'm sure that's still, I'm sure, I'm sure that still, still, um, still means something to centre forwards because if you get it right, there's a goal for you. And if they have to put the sub goalie on now, it's probably a rookie or an ancient pensioner at the end of his life, end of his football life. Wasn't it Andy Dibble that burnt his thigh on on the pitch? Wasn't there some kind of chemical on the pitch and it burnt his thigh? Was it was it Andy Dibble? It was well, it possibly coach. was because he, he he was he was capable of the odd incident, but he was the one that we all remember. Gary Crosby, the George George Best incident. That, you know, we've not seen it since where he had it edited out of his hands and Crosby scored to, scored out of his hands. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't. But it, it could have been him because he was capable of an incident, a good character. So, Simon, what does this mean for Liverpool? Because obviously there was a, a fantastic fight back at the end and they were quite unlucky not to get the equaliser. Klopp was obviously livid because of the refereeing decisions. Um, oh, Mane had a great chance. Yeah. Mane, Mane has to score. He has to score. If Mane scores and, and you come out with 3-3, I think Klopp runs back onto the bus and says, thanks very much, we'll go back up to Liverpool. Thank you very much. So, if, if you want to talk about Liverpool's momentum at the moment, obviously, good victory at United was followed up by... Who did Liverpool play after United? Was it Watford? Uh, Atletico as well in the Champions League. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But it's yeah. not looking too bad, to be honest, because defensively, all right, okay, apart from the, the goalkeeping errors, I think Van Dijk did very well against Antonio. He did very well, you know. Okay, four. It's the best he's played for recent weeks. And I think he's been a little bit um, bit lazy sometimes in his defending. Uh, but I thought he was he was at his best again against Antonio. I think he had to be as well. Antonio is mm-hmm. one of those players. He's, he's big, he's strong, he's unorthodox. He's, you know, he puts himself about He's a little bit sort of clumsy in the way that he moves, but he gets away from defenders and he makes it difficult for him. But Van Dijk, I think he, he dealt with him really well. The oh, they've dropped five points. They, they dropped against, you know, your next United manager, Graham Potter. And... Um, uh, yeah, they drew against Brian, didn't they? Yeah, right. drew against Brian, yeah. But they're 25 unbeaten before this one. Pardon? There were 24, 25 games unbeaten before this one, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they were flying against Brighton as well. And then obviously Brighton have got a goal and they've, and they've, they've come back, but they've got a good result against Athletic Madrid. But West Ham, like I said, if you'd Liverpool would have got a, a got free all there, it would have been mm. snatch and grab that because West Ham were well-deserved winners. All right, well, let's talk about Chelsea. Unfortunately, Katie's had some technical issues and she's gone. Well, that's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Convenient. I'm joking. Um, one all draw against Burnley. Uh, Steve, blimey. Um, it was kind of like the Alamo before Burnley equalised, but again, 1 0 dangerous scoreline. Laps of concentration at the back from Chelsea, which is quite um, unheard of, really, if you think about how well they've been playing defensively, especially with uh, Thiago Silva and um, Rudiger there. Yeah, just wondering, um, like we, we touched on before and, and Simon got stuck into about, you know, not, struggling without a centre-forward. You know, Werner was very much hit and miss or maybe, but the pace was frightening still. And you just thought, he'll come good, but he is a presence on the field. We know that Lukaku is one of the best centre-forwards in the world. And I think Havertz, despite scoring in the Champions League final and scoring a textbook, uh, you know, run down the wing, cross, get in between two centre-halves and head it past the goalkeeper. It was wonderful, but you just get the feeling that they dominated without any real predator on the pitch for them. Loads of talent. They keep rotating the centre-backs, they keep rotating the full-backs, they keep rotating the midfield players. Ross Barkley came in and they dominated Burnley, but they didn't stick the knife in um, and set the game away from Burnley, who we know, and I've watched them six times live all year, I'm not I'm not really impressed, but they never go away and they'll keep running till the 90th minute. And that's what they did. And, you know, he had the nerve to actually suggest they could have actually gone and won it. He laughed about it, Sean Dice, but they were in a little five, 10 minute spell of pressure to get their own equaliser. So they deserve it for being plucky, but it's all down to Chelsea not getting that second or even that third or fourth goal. And this is it. When you're a goal up against a team like Burnley, Burnley are one of those teams that if they got 10 minutes of pressure against you, they're always going to create something. It might be a half chance, but when it comes to half chances, they're probably the best at converting them, aren't they? Well, that was proven. Uh, and Vidra um, is a goal scorer in a team that doesn't create much chances. Chris Wood's numbers are really low at the moment, but it came from a, an unlikely source. But I think they were encouraged by the fact that, you know, once you get to 80 minutes, you can't throw the game open. Well, it was a bit less but uh, against Chelsea. But the fact that it still was only 1-0, it gave Burnley some extra encouragement than they already have. And they just thought, well, we can have a right go at this now because the time running against Chelsea anyway. Let's have a go. 
Um, but Chelsea will be really rueful uh, on the goal difference count when they look back. If the, if the league is as tight as we expect it to be, not only have they dropped points, they've not they've not capitalised against a team in the bottom three. Simon, obviously Lukaku has been a big loss to Chelsea in this game anyway. Um, the two Burnley central defenders must have been laughing their asses off when they saw his name not being on the starting lineup. No. Yeah, but I think. Listen, I think they they would probably have relished that um, that fight against Lukaku, Tarkovsky, big, you know, Benmi size, but like just enjoys that fight. Um, so when you don't have that person, they probably like oh, like would have been a it would have been a better day for them. Listen, it would have been a tougher day for them, obviously. But um, listen, when you don't have somebody like Lukaku in your side, your side then drops down a little bit of a notch and uh, and you're not as powerful. So that's that's what Burnley, Burnley would have looked at that all week. They would have trained not to have the ball. They would have trained, you know, under duress of attack after attack after attack. And then when you get the chance to go and attack yourselves, make sure you make it count. And as the guy said, like, it's, um, you know, possibly something that could have ended up with a Burnley win if Vigil would have, uh, have scored the, the lob over uh, over Mendy. So it's uh, it's a they they um, they they're not a bad team, Burnley. They they do what they need to do. They know how to get forty points, um, and they get it every year, pretty standard. Um, so I don't think they're in any chance of uh, of going down this year. I think there's other teams around them that are um, in more of a, a bit more of trouble. Let's talk about one of them very quickly, Rod Norwich. They beat Brentford 2-1, unexpected victory. But I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw Daniel Farker at full time, I had a feeling he wouldn't be in a job the next day because you'd think after so many games not winning, he'd be, you know, punching the air, being very vocal, you know, very, you know, just out there like most Germans are when, when they teams win games. You know, seeing them punching the air and all that kind of stuff. He didn't do anything like that. He's just like, applauded and then walked on the pitch, said thank you very much, and, and that was it. He seems a bit of a placid guy, a quiet guy, doesn't he? But, um, what are you know, saying about Daniel Farker? <laughs> it's good for him. He's, you know, he's gone out on a win, but it's just weird. You know, you'd think if they'd done that, they'd have someone in place to come in straight away, but they've not even got that. So, yeah, it's a weird one. You, why you'd sack someone after a win, but... You know, they're at the, the bottom of the league. Because they don't know when the next one's coming. That's <laughs> I think the decision was already made, Rod. And I think mm. I think it would probably have been too close to a match day to to sack him. But the decision would have been made, I believe, on the Wednesday, the Thursday and Friday, regardless of the result. And the fact that they got three points adds to a, a, a little bit of curiosity, but actually helps them. It's a bonus three points that they would have... Uh, Still gone but ahead. Do not, but do you not the, think that if you're saying that, shouldn't they have already had the manager in place if they knew like a week ago? Or I think they so probably on. have. I think they probably have. But it's just the lads have trained up to a certain. There's no point. This this is this is crucial. Um, this international break now is where managers get sacked at the top level. It's a two week break from the club. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has gone back to Norway to see the family. Everyone goes off for the teams if they've been picked. But it gives time for the clubs to get a bit of breathing space. I don't believe there'll be such as an interview process that will just give them time now for a new manager to come in. It'll get announced, I imagine, eight or nine days before the next Premier League fixture, and there'll be a, a, a that that man will come in 
and have an eight-day build-up of training going into his game, as opposed to sacking him on Thursday last week and a manager coming in on the Friday morning for shape and set pieces and then saying, go on then, try and beat Brentford, which they actually did. So I think this two-week break now is crucial. That's why that's why the guillotine nearly always comes out. Steve, yeah, I forgot I forgot was the international how, break. How much do you, do you think... think- Sorry, Stone. Okay. Do, you not, do you not think, though, with, with that, though, they would have just appointed him now? Um, because you look at, like, I know it's obviously the championship and you look at Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough sat Warnock straight after the game and, and I'd imagine they appointed Chris Wilder about, about five minutes later. Yeah, well, so, well I'm not going to go against it, Simon, that, it, you know, it's only my opinion, but it could be tomorrow when I'm really liking the noise of Frank Lampard because I think he belongs in English football and he belongs in the Premier League. He might have to go back to the Championship uh, with Norwich, but he, you know, it'd be great. He's the one that we're in strong noise about. And I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if by lunchtime tomorrow or the day after he's appointed. And if that's the case, he's got he's got 12 days before the next play again and he's got a, t- a chance to get his teeth into the job. Yeah, well, I think that's the best thing, giving him more days like like the Eddie Howe one. He's now got loads of time at Newcastle to get his players in. Probably won't allow, like the ones who don't go on uh, international break, he won't allow them to have three or four days off. It'll probably be like, look, you can have one or two days here, one day there, but majority of the time we're going to be in, we're going to be working, we're going to yeah. you know, drill down what we're going to be doing. And I think whoever goes in at Norwich, if it is Lampard, it has to be as quick as possible so he gets the yeah. most amount of time on the training pitch yeah. as many I, players I, as possible. I hope it is him. I really do. I, I was about to ask if you thought it was going to be him because we know that John Terry left the uh, Villa job, the coaching role, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, Villa haven't been great defensively since he's left. You know, Norwich need tightening up at the back. Frank Lampard pretty decent on the counter-attack. Jordy Morris is in number two, isn't it? Well, no, what, at Chelsea? No, Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard. No, what I'm saying is John Terry left Villa, didn't he? Yeah, the defensive record wasn't great before. I've seen that today. You know, it's, it's something that Jack Grealish leaving. No, that's not got nothing to do with it. I know they've had a good start, but no, it's not been great. Are you talking about Villa now? No, no. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, All right. I thought you were talking about Villa, sorry. No, no, no. I'm just saying because Terry left the, the role at uh, Villa. I don't see him partnering with Frank Lampard. I think he wants his job. A manager's job for himself to move on now. He's been number two. Been, I think he wants to run his own ship. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, apparently Darren Huckabee is the uh, odds-on favourite, six to one. For what? Apparently. Darren Huckabee for Norwich manager. Yeah, six to one. That's, he got that's, sacked. That's, that's he got sacked out of their academy. I don't know. I, I don't make up the odds. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Hewton gets it again. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me. It's a merry-go-round. Frank Lampard would be, be a good shout. Difficult. Difficult, though. It's not easy, though. Won't what, be price easy, is, so. what price is Real Fox? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's doing charity runs at the moment, so I don't think he's going to... He's going to... Jerry Goss has one for you. Because yeah. well, he's Welsh. Yeah. Well, Kuku is he in the running? Kuku. <laughs> Mark Robbins? Chris yeah. Sutton. Chris Sutton, is he a manager? No, no, he's he's uh, too busy talking about um Celtic on radio. Yeah. yeah, he's a wind-up merchant. Hey, what the, what the, just give it to Real Ferdinand? He knows everything about football, isn't it? Fucking idiot. Anyway, um, Real Ferdinand won't last two minutes as a manager. It's nice and comfortable in that studio. No, he'll it's give different. everyone he'll give everyone baseball caps with a number five on it. Say, here you go, boys. Yeah, he last Brad. two minutes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, maybes, no maybes in football. Is that a black or white? Yes or no? 
True, true. All right, let's talk about another team that got rid of their manager, Aston Villa, lost to Southampton 1-0. Uh, Simon, I, I didn't see that coming so soon with uh, Dean Smith getting the job. He's a, he's a Villa legend. I thought they might give him a bit more time, but I guess, given, you know, we, we discussed this last week and obviously last season, the uh, the phantom goal that wasn't given for Sheffield United, you know, had that VR, oh, sorry, that had the Hawkeye been working, Villa probably would be a championship side now. So, do you, you know, I guess it was going to come back again. I still think a little bit too soon. That being said, as you mentioned, International Week, um, surprised with the sacking? Yeah, a little bit. But I think after let the sale of Grealish and the money that's come into the football club and the, and the players that they've bought, they probably would have expected to be doing a little bit better than they are. Um, albeit second season back in the Premier League and you're sort of looking at it going, it's tough, the second season you know, for them. So, I mean, I was, I was surprised, but you know, to be honest, not a lot of things surprise me in football these days. So again, I'd like to think that they have somebody ready to go. If, uh, if they, you know, now they've sacked him, I expect them to have somebody ready um, to take over, even if it is till the end of the season, just as a, as a stopgap. They were played off the part though, weren't they by Southampton? It was a very convincing performance. I know it was only one nil, but, yeah, but Southampton are sort of, they're that team that sort of threaten really good performances and sort of sometimes deliver and sometimes don't. So, you know, they're very hit and miss. And, and this one, they were a bit of a hit. Rod, what about Armstrong? He's coming to the Premier League first season and he's scoring some bangers, isn't he? For Southampton. Um, yeah, he did well from last year, to be honest. I liked, liked looking in last year. So, um, Shea Adams looks looks half decent. It's like Simon says though, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get with Southampton. Mm. You know, I've seen them get beat nine eight nil in the last couple of years twice. So, yeah. Yeah, but they are a good side. So when they're on the day, so but you know Villa are in that kind of position now where they, they, you know they've got new owners, they're putting money into the club, don't want to be down in that relegation spot. So soon they've smelt a little bit of trouble. You know they've seen it last year. We don't want to go through it again. And they're just doing, they're just cutting ties, and you're probably going to see that a few more clubs now with these owners, and especially at Newcastle, if uh, Super Eddie don't sort it out. Joe, I'd be interested to see how old Southampton do under Hassel or with money, with decent money to spend, because he's he's lose, he's used the money wisely. He's brought in people like um, Carl Walker Peters from Spurs. He brought in Livermento, who's been a revelation this season. Obviously, Armstrong from uh, I think it was Blackburn, if I'm not mistaken, Shea Adams. They're all good players. So if he had a war chest, I think you'd be talking about Southampton possibly pushing for Europa League spot. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, like I say, he's no. a good coach. Simon's not shaking his head. Or what, no? But the players, the players that he's got, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. Well, they're, they're three points off Brighton in the seventh. Yeah, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be nearer the bottom than the top, and he's he's actually but been if he had money to spend. If he had proper money to spend, yeah, but that's never going to happen at Southampton. That's what I'm saying hypothetically. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's a good coach. I think if he went on to, to a, a decent club with money, that, that he'd do well. He's the kind of the Tuchel Klopp esque manager. I think he's he's conceded nine twice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough. Oh, I've just said <laughs> an album, yeah. <laughs> How's your CV? Yeah, my biggest defeat is nine twice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Let's say, for instance, he had got the Newcastle job, right? And sometimes when you're a player, it sometimes it's not about the club that you're signing for, it's the manager that you sign for. Um, you know, how many times people sign for that manager because he's a really good manager. They know what they're going to get with him uh, from him. Do you sign for somebody? Do If you're like a Philip Coutinho, would you sign for Ralph Hausenhutl because you know he's a good coach? Or would you sign because, would you go to like Newcastle because Newcastle are paying you massive money? And it doesn't matter who the coach is. Well, many players joined City with Mark Hughes. But that, that's, that's that was like that's my point is that they sign because the money is they're not signing because of the the, the coach that like the coach is sometimes irrelevant but some people do also sign because the coach is good you know it's you look at somebody like goes to Leicester with, with Brendan Rodgers but they sign because Brendan's a really good coach and they know they're going to get really good numbers from him and and he's going to help them develop and everything else but then if would you sign for Man United? For Solskjaer, or would you sign because it's Man United? Mm. Well, Ronaldo's signed because it's Man United. He has signed because it's Solskjaer. He wants to work with him, doesn't he? That's, that's what I mean. So, mm. you know, just because Ralph Halston was a good coach doesn't mean that you'd sign for him, yeah. sign for the potentially for the club. Or you might get the other one who signs because he's a, he's a good coach. No, and as a player, if you go into Southampton, you know, what, they, what they're playing for, they're just playing to stay in the league every, every year. Do you want to do that? No, I was talking if he got no, like just, a yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. All right. Okay. That's a good segue to the next question then. Newcastle drew against Brighton, Super Brighton with Super Potter. But Eddie Howe's been announced as the manager of Newcastle. Rodri's been doing cartwheels all week. He's got his Eddie Howe boxer shorts on. I said two years ago that he'd be the Newcastle manager one day. I'm just saying. But um, what what... Do you guys make of this? Because this is a manager who comes with a pretty decent reputation, albeit, you know, Bournemouth went down and they did spend a lot of money on certain players like Solanke, who, okay, fair enough, he's doing well in the Championship, but didn't do well in the Premier League, etc. Who? Eddie Howe? Yeah. Yeah, he was there for like, like, like four months, there, didn't he? Three months? Yeah. But the thing is, I, I heard that he didn't like living up north because he, he's homesick. I'm thinking, how well, far he's gonna, have, he's, gonna go? shock, he's gonna have a shock in Newcastle, right? Because he's you get chased no. pen, penguins on, on a daily basis up there. It's that cold. He was my neighbor, so you're not saying much for where I live if that's the case. <laughs> well, that's that was the story that I read that he was homesick yeah. and he just wanted to wanted to go back home to Bournemouth and he got the job again, didn't he? Yeah, um, but in terms of Newcastle, I, I think it's a big, big task for him. Now, I'm not saying that he's not good enough to do it, but given the players that they've got and the system that he plays, like they can do it, they can stay up. But, you know, I think it depends on keeping Callum Wilson fit, which is, I guess, is a given because he's the guy that scores their goals, right? Absolutely. Let's not forget what Steve Bruce did at the end of last season. You know, they rallied and they got players fit again and they went up the table. They stayed up. They stayed up safely. And it was the Newcastle fans suggesting that the football wasn't good. He's a dinosaur. We're bored. We're not going anywhere. They will be absolutely like they would do anything for the position that Steve Bruce finished them with last year to be in that position again at the end of this. So they've got to be really careful what they've wished for because they've wanted him out and got him out. 
And now they don't. Now nobody knows what's going to happen. Whereas he he, he got them safe, sound, secure, solid, and away from danger with plenty to spare last year. It won't be like that this year. You'll get them playing 20 yards further up the field, but whether they can defend is a different story. It, it, it could be a circus there, you know. If they say they don't win their next five or six games, they could bullet him for Christmas and bring someone else in. It could be a real circus there. He's, he's been under real pressure there because they want, they want to go only one way and that is up with the amount of money that they're going to pump into it and the owners that they've got. Now, look at City. You know, they, they didn't mess about. You know, it's some, some of their managers did really well for him, but, you know, they wanted better and they did every time they appointed someone. He's, a, he's only a stopgap, though, isn't he? He's not. Yeah, he's exactly. Not, he's exactly. That's why it's a no, it's a no win. Wait, he's, he's there. He's there for two, two and a half years, whatever it is. Even if he if he doesn't last that, but he's there. Do as well as you can. Try and keep him in the Premier League this year. If they don't stay in the Premier League this year, he'll stay. I'd say because purely and simply because he knows how to get a team out of the Championship, and then all of a sudden when they come back up, they'll hit massive something. Simon, like do you really think if he was, if they they went down, he'd still be keeping? I think they've. I think they've. I think they've given for that rod. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. What well, she right, really think they've got? They've really thought they've got a chance of going down and. Oh yeah, I think they've got. I think they think they've got more chance of staying up because it's not Christmas. They're a huge club, and and they're not, you know they, they they stayed up last year comfortably. Like I've just touched on with Steve Bruce, they'll more expect to stay up than go down. But if they do go down, they'll think they're covered with the manager they've just chosen. I totally disagree with that. I think that they'll just think, you know what, we can't be having this guy if he's got us down. They've got 28 games left or 20 odd games left. Yeah. To... Listen, well, I, I think they'll stay up, no problem. And, and with you saying that, that with Steve Bruce, who was a crap manager there, saying they're rubbish, mm-hmm. and he got saved, kept them safely in mid table, yeah. and yeah. this guy's come in and got us relegated with funds at Christmas. I think they'll get enough points at home. With um, a better style of play, brilliant set plays that Eddie Howe has. I know that from studying him myself. Um, the crowd, who obviously can't score a goal, but they can help you. And as Stell says, keeping Callum Wilson fit, which let's just hope and presume they do. I think they'll get enough points at home to stay up. Yeah, it's def- definitely one of the noisiest places I've been. It's, it is but when, you know, when they get going out there. So if they get the crowd behind them, they get a few. Games on the bank, few wins, it could be fine because it is a it's a good place to play football. Well, Rod, they, they've signed up to a three-year contract. Not that that means anything, but if they go, do go down, obviously it's going to hit them financially. Not that it matters to the Saudis, but I'm talking about as a as a as a company. But the thing is, let's be hundred percent honest. There's another guy at Bournemouth that's doing a pretty decent job that knows the club very well. I wouldn't be surprised if Scott Parker walks in if Newcastle go down. That's my guess. Well, he's next player. Ex-player. Yeah, yeah, ex-player as well. Another another, another per player manager I liked. Likes at Fulham, likes where he spoke. But even, you know, he did get relegated. But you could see the progress. You could see he was making Fulham better. And they just weren't good enough in the end. Yeah. But, yeah, I did like Scott Parker as a coach when he was in Premiership Fulham. I mean, he's doing really well at Fulham. I mean, mm. Barnes, sorry. Mm. Well, look, we're talking as if Eddie Howe's on, on a hiding to nothing straight away, and I think January. Well, he is, he is though, isn't he? Still, come on, let's have it right. He's under massive pressure, so he, he needs to do well with them. Because he's under massive pressure away. because of because of the takeover. If there wasn't a takeover, I don't yeah. think he would have been under as much pressure. But January no, is no, massive. No, of course not. No, 
No, of course not. But when you've got an owner who's got 320 billion, he only wants to be one way. Of course. Or one way. So what, what are we looking at in, in January? Because obviously he's going to bring in players. Are we talking about three or four players or five or yes. six? I can't, yeah. Yeah, three or as, four. As, as many as possible, yeah. Well, and we're talking about starters. like Lingard, the quality of that that them players. Okay. I think I think Tarkovsky will be uh, yeah. number one on the list. They need a centre half. He's he's in the last year of his contract. Burnley have managed to hold on to him to stay in the Premier League. James has not signed anything because he wants to uh, better himself. You would think, and I think that would be heaven sent for both parties. But then, there you go, though. So you just said there you're going to sign for Newcastle, right? He he could have signed for Leicester and West Ham. But so he's going to go to Newcastle on the basis of what Eddie Howe yeah. or the money? Uh, the club, the, the Arab money, the, cl- the club, <laughs> the club, and the money, and, and Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe as well, but not 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 for the first reasoning, no. So he's going, he's going, for, he's going for size of contract, length of contract, size of club. Yeah, so probably double wages and keep him in the north. Fair enough. All right. Okay. Um, which match shall we quickly touch on? Let's talk about Everton Spurs. A lot of controversy in that one. Ended nil nil. Antonio Conte's first league game in charge of Spurs. Do you know what? He's such a fucking brilliant manager, man. I know the result obviously doesn't show it, but um, he, he Spurs got a clean sheet, which is a start, you know, because they can't seem to keep those, but um. Again, there was a, a, a penalty not given for a supposed foul on Richarlison. Simon, when you saw that, what was your first instinct? Do you think that was a pen or did, did uh, Lloris get enough of the ball? No, he got a little bit. He got enough. He got enough for me. Yeah. I, I would I would talk about the... Uh, the the red card? Oh. Wow. Oh. oh. That, that is horrible. Yeah. That was horrible. Yeah, that was cold. Yeah. That... Mm. That's Holgate, wasn't it? Oh, it was bad. Yeah, the night, didn't he? Because it, it wasn't, wasn't he to blame for the um, the Wolves goal, the back pass that he made uh, last uh, week? That, no, that was um, the left, the one that signed from Brighton. What's his name? Uh, uh, no, 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 that was the boy. Um, keep going. I'll, I'll come back to. It. <laughs> you no, know they, you know they're comparing that with. They were comparing it with uh, the Creswell tackle. No, it was totally different, wasn't it? Yeah. So Creswell's got the ball and he's like bounced his foot's bounced up onto him. You don't think Creswell's just ended off? No, no, he's got the ball. He's I think he's got the ball, and because you know that the four they both hurt the force of the ball at the same time, the ball sprung up and he sprung his foot up and it's his knee. Yeah, that's on my thought of it. I I think I think is ascending off as well. Because I think I think with Henderson, if Henderson's foot is Fully planted in the way. Listen, the force. I don't listen. We will never know the force of it, but I think at any at any stage, if you're if you go over the ball, you're out of control. All of a sudden, your your foot, your studs hit somebody else's knee. That that really. But that's that's my point, Simon. I don't think he did go over the ball. I think he got right at the middle of the ball, and then it's the ball like sprung his his foot up, and he's got his knee. That's how I've seen it. Yeah, so he's out. Then he's out of control. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's where like that's then becomes a bit of an issue. And I think with the Holgate one, the Holgate one, he's gone in, and that's that's naughty that one for me. Whereas the the Cresswell one, I think is is just 
the way that he's come away from the ball and whatever, and it's now just his legs have just gone in a completely different direction. He's not in control of where his legs are going, and they end up going right up against his knee. And it's, it's I think I think it helps that Anderson got up straight away. Yeah, that shouldn't help. That shouldn't be. A, it, no, it shouldn't. And I think if it goes the other way, where it, it's sending him off, and then he goes to look at the cameras, he doesn't reverse his decision. So it's yeah, yeah, it's one of grey areas, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so um, who's who's more aggrieved or who's more pissed off at the nil-nil? Spurs for hitting the post near the end or Everton for not getting that penalty and, and not converting their chances? Because I think this was a game that always had nil-nil written all over it, given Benitez's defensive uh, stubbornness and how Everton have been shipping goals recently and how Spurs have just got a new manager and he just wanted to tie the thing up at the back. I don't know. <clears throat> I think Spurs got their scored all their goals during midweek, didn't they? Yes, got them really early, and uh, and then they went into that game, and it's a completely different game for them. But I think you're right. Nil nil was probably the result of the weekend for them. It was it was the one thing that they probably could have hoped for. It was clean sheet. It, it shows probably what Conte had been working on all week is defensively getting getting Dyer and Davis and um, all their back five all sorted making sure that they were all settled, ready to to deal with Richarlison. Um, you know, so I think he'll be more happy. I don't think he has a concern about going forward with Son and Harry Kane and stuff. I don't think that's really a concern for him. I think defensively, that's where they're, that's where Antonio Conte will earn most of his money. All right, lads, let's finish it with one more game. Arsenal beating Watford 1-0. Fucking Aubameyang, I put him in my dream team. You missed the penalty, right? <laughs> I took out Lukaku after two weeks of, of not touching my dream team. I thought, let's put Aubameyang in. He's going to score a goal surely against Watford. He gets a penalty, and he anyway, whatever. But again, a, a bit of a, a bit of needle in that game. Ranieri complaining that Arsenal didn't give the ball back, and Arteta saying we're we're an honest team. But you know, a few weeks ago, people were talking about Arteta being possibly the, the the first man on the chopping block. But here we go, Arsenal. Very close to top four. What the hell's going on? Momentum. One game a week? One game a week, is that what it is? Momentum. Yeah, could be still. Good point, that. That's a really good point you've just made. But players coming back into the team, all of a sudden you're watching them now uh, and they've got legs. They're running between the two 18-yard boxes. They're getting closer to people. Uh, Saka's got another 15 appearances of maturity. Smith-Rowe's got another 15 appearances of maturity. And it, it just looks like their time of progression. Not enough to threaten the big boys, but enough to get away from the nonsense that was uh, they were they were serving up two months ago. Ben White seems to be settling down as well. Done he? Done he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really does. Yeah. Steps forward nicely, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. he does. All, all the way up to the 18-yard box. How he is not in the England side before Mings is... yeah. Oh. We can ask why is Greenwood not in the England squad. You can ask why it takes four or five midfielders to come out for Smith Rowe to be put in because Smith Rowe was outstanding again, a player who we've been waxing lyrical about. The kid for Palace, the kid for Palace as well. Gallagher, yeah, Gallagher, yeah, yeah, really good. But yeah, and but yeah, Maguire's there. Oh, I like it. Is it Travers? Yeah, brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Absolute rapid as well, isn't it? Well, the left back Tavares, the Benfica. Tavares. Yeah. The thing, the thing with Tavares, I've noticed. I'm not convinced. I've watched enough to know if I've actually nailed this. But, but Tierney's brilliant. 
but yeah. plays for like left back, left wing, left back, left wing. But this Tavares goes into midfield, he goes into the centre circle, he goes inside, he goes outside. He's like he's taking up different lanes, a different a different athlete altogether. Yeah, well, that's I saw, got the oldest fingerprints all over that, my friend. I saw uh, I can't remember what game I saw Arsenal play. Um and he ran straight through the middle. He was yeah. I think it was like a two v one or a three v two or something that was happening, and he just burst through the middle and he was going like a rocket and yeah. he didn't get the ball and he, he ended up on the edge of the 18 yard box and he had to run back and but I swear to you it was, it was as if it was the first minute of the game and he yeah. was fresh as train. wow yeah so he's he's definitely someone to yeah he is someone will I think take off of them in a few years time yeah. if he's progressing yeah what about Smith Rowe then gents proper footballer there man proper footballer yeah well, he, he's, he's a Grealish type that doesn't want to hang around on the wing, and he's you know. But when Grealish tries to become a number ten, he can't do it, despite the hundred million tag and the talent. But Smith Rowe's playing off the striker uh, in those central areas. He's doing it. Lingard was good for West Ham last year as a as a number ten, but you have to say Madison was good last year at Leicester as a number ten. But you'd have to say now that the best number ten in the Premier League is probably Smith Rowe. Okay, yeah, I like that. And he's right. only gonna—he's only gonna get better. Then. Yeah, yeah. See it. He's only gonna get better. Yeah. But he shows no fear, though. That's the thing. You know, he's not afraid to try different things. He doesn't let his head drop. And mm. for a youngster, that's important. That's very important. All true. Yeah. I think obviously with with not giving the ball back and it ricocheted to him and everything else, yeah. that do it, it. It sort of felt nicely for him, didn't it? So, but listen. Composure in front of goal, even his goal against Leicester, um, you know, top top finish, you know. So he's he's been he's been an absolute um, star in the making for the last sort of towards the end of last year, coming into this year. Sort of we, just, we 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 play we play them soon, don't we? Do we play Arsenal soon? We play in a couple of weeks, don't we? Yeah, after you know they've got Watford next, isn't it? Watford then Arsenal, I think. Yeah, I've been asked that troops has asked me to do his podcast with him. Troops? Yeah, true. Come on. <laughs> live, while, live while the game's on. Come on the game, Vlad. Come on. <laughs> hey, ask him if he can buy your ticket to America and then you can do it. You know? Uh, Say to him, I'll do it in your studio with you. Uh, in Rod's studio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't want to be in the same playing place as me when we're winning. And probably I'd have in the same place as him if he's winning. So, yeah. Oh, bless him. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Poor guy. Anyway, gentlemen, thank you very much. It's been an absolutely brilliant show. Simon, thank you for jumping on again. We'll have you on next time Liverpool win. I promise we should probably after the international break, so don't worry about that. Steve, cheers, mate. Appreciate it. We're getting Katie on as well. Spurs was enjoying Katie before she went. Yeah, we'll yeah. get her on. We'll get her on. Yeah. No problem. I don't know what happened. To... I hope her, I hope the communication line link was, is is improved for her computer computers. All right, is she okay? Yeah, she's fine. I sent her a few different links to this this uh, Zoom thing, but she couldn't you get on. Off, you missed off a number or changed another number at the end, didn't you? That thing. Would I do such a thing? I don't have that in me. I do it to Rod. I wouldn't do it to anyone else. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right, boys and girls, that's it for another week. So until next time, I'll oh, buy Rod. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but so he's going to go to Newcastle on the basis of what Eddie Howe yeah. or the money? Uh, the club, the, the Arab money, the, cl- <laughs> the club, the club, and the money. And, and Eddie Howe, 
Eddie Howe as well, but not 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 for the first reasoning, no. So he's going for size of contract, length of contract, size of club. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.